Well, good morning. Let me just start off by saying it's good to be back with you this week, and I was so encouraged by that time of worship. Why don't we thank our worship team for leading us this morning in song? And uh, I was able to listen to online this week um, the message that our youth panel brought to us last week, our youth team, Janet, Nate, David, and Tyler, and they did an excellent job of kind of creating the environment they want to create for our students here. And I would encourage you, if you were not here, whether young or old, whether parents or grandparents, to listen to that online on our website, because they did a great job of painting what we want to accomplish in the lives of our youth. Well, you know, as I was getting ready for today's message, I was trying to think of someone in particular. I was trying to think, who is somebody in the world that by nature of what they do, people are always glad to see them. They bring joy, they bring happiness, they bring refreshment, and people flock to them. And then I thought of this guy, and I want you to see the reaction to his arrival. What? Come on around here, who needs ice cream? Wouldn't you love for people to respond to you like that when you showed up? For them to have that kind of excitement and exhilaration and jubilation and and anticipation of, of what you're bringing? I imagine that an ice cream man goes home feeling pretty good about himself every night because of all the fanfare that surrounds his arrival. People are excited to see him because he always brings happiness. He always brings refreshment. Now, I want that picture to be burned into your mind over the next several weeks. Because just like the ice cream man, each and every one of us in here today not only has the opportunity, but we all have the ability to bring what he brings, to bring joy, to bring happiness, to bring delight and refreshment. And what we have to offer people, I assure you, isn't gone in just a matter of a couple minutes, and it certainly does not melt in the sun. You say, well, what is it we have to offer people? One word, encouragement. That's why we've named this series, The Life of Encouragement. And really, the name of the series has a twofold meaning. Let me share with you what the meaning is behind this. First of all, as followers of Jesus, our lives should be defined as encouraging lives. In fact, when you read the scriptures, we have all those one another verses, things that should be happening in the body of Christ from one to another, pray for one another, serve one another, show hospitality to one another. Second only to the command to love one another is the command to encourage one another. So encouragement should be a way of life for the follower of Jesus. Now, the other reason we're calling it the life of encouragement is for this reason. Because when we speak encouragement into somebody's life, we actually produce life in them. We bring life out of them. It's the whole reason why we're using the imagery of a plant that's growing. Because just like 
as a plant is a seed. It's the sun, it's the rain, it's the fertilizer, it's the soil that encourages that seed to flourish and to prosper and to produce the fruit that it was meant to produce. And in the body of Christ, when we speak encouragement to one another, we help one another flourish and produce what God wants us to produce in life. A word of encouragement takes somebody who's weary and gives them a second wind. A word of encouragement takes somebody who's struggling to do what's right and it keeps them doing right in a world where wrong is so easy to do. And here's what I've noticed about encouragement. That it's so easy to do, so simple, takes just a few seconds sometimes, but it yields huge results. A few evenings ago, I was pulling out of the driveway with my son, Seth. And for no reason in particular, just kind of out of the blue, he looks over at me. He says, Dad, I want you to know you're a great dad. You talk about like melting your heart because that's what you want to hear, right? Because you're always wondering, am I doing this right? Am I screwing this kid up, right? But it took him about five seconds just to utter those words. And I lived off the high of that. That fueled me. That charged my battery for days to come. And it also earned Seth the title of favorite child in the family now. <laughs> but that is kind of a knack that Seth has. He's just kind of a natural encourager. He kind of looks for the good to bring out in people. And speaking of that, let me just share with you and understand the spirit of this, okay? There was a particular week this last spring, where I just felt kind of invincible because of the encouragement that was brought my way. Let me tell you what happened in the course of a week, okay? It was on a Monday morning. I received two cards in the mail here at the church, and they were from two sisters whose father's funeral I had performed, and I didn't know him, but I felt like I got to know him through meeting with his daughters. And their cards were just so encouraging, so appreciative. And they said, you really nailed it when it came to my dad. Your words were so comforting. And we just really appreciate what you said. And man, that made me feel good to know that I brought comfort to these ladies who were sinking it in their time of loss. The next day in the office, somebody's up talking at the window to Kathy. And I just kind of go up there and make some small talk. And she says to me, she says, you know, I was in Florida a couple weeks ago at church. And I was, I was just sitting there listening to that pastor speak, and I thought to myself, I am so much more thankful for Solomon now. I said, oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> no, it really wasn't my mom, I, I promise. But anyway, um, just like a couple days later, I was at the hospital um, visiting with Sue Han. Sue and Terry were in the room, and There was another minister from the Wabash area who came up to encourage Sue as she was, you know, battling uh, the leukemia that she's going through. And I'd never met this minister before, but we shook hands and greeted one another. And he says, you don't know me, but he says, I've I've seen you before. He says, I was at the funeral of, of Dean Dawes. And he said, you know, he says, I've done a lot of funerals as a minister and I used to work at a funeral home. Uh, And I've heard a lot of funeral sermons. He says, that funeral you gave for Dean Dawes was one of the best that I've ever heard. And I thought, oh, man, that's so nice and gracious and and kind of you say. He didn't have to say that, but he chose just to throw that there as a means to encourage me. And then that same week, I get a call from Lois Van Meter, and Lois says, hey, I'd like to come see you and Alicia sometime. 
I'm like, okay. So I arrange it with Alicia. Uh, Lois comes over to our house, and she presents us with something. She presents us with this king-size handmade quilt. And she put that little uh, reminder at the bottom there, made for Solomon and Alicia to honor their service. 2019 by Lois Van Meter. Man, all the time and effort and love that went into this massive quilt just melted my heart. And I want you to understand something, folks. I don't, I don't tell you these stories this morning, kind of puff myself up and say, look at me, look how great I am, look what people are saying about me. Here's the reason I tell you that. Because that comment that was made to me in the church office took about five seconds. Those cards that those daughters wrote took a couple minutes. That quilt took several months. All of them different expressions, but all of them with the exact same purpose. Do you know what the purpose was? To encourage, to lift up, to say somebody, we thank you, we believe in you, keep on keeping on. And I'll tell you what that did. That put gas in my fuel tank just to keep trudging forward because you realize, I think all of us wants to know at some point in our life, am I making a difference? Is anybody listening? Does my life count for something? And one time after another that week, it was like God was just saying, yes, I'm going to encourage you through the people who are around you. So let me tell you this this morning, friends. You are being very, very, very biblical anytime you encourage somebody. Listen to what we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. We live in a world where a lot of people want to knock you down. They want to tear you down. But, but Paul says in the body of Christ, you make sure you are built up through encouragement. Hebrews 10.24 and let us consider, let's, let's really think about, he says, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Then in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So here's what I want to do. We are going to be in this series for about four weeks. So I want each and every person in this room to set out to be intentional about creating some extra mile moments in your life over the next four weeks. Extra mile moments where you go out of your way to say something, to do something, to write something, to give something, to share something that will be an extra mile moment that will encourage and lift people up around you. In your office, at your home, uh, in the clubs that you're in, at school, wherever you're at, look for those extra mile moments. Look for those people who need that dose of encouragement. So we're going to start that tomorrow, Monday. So you've got one more day to be cranky, okay, today. So get all your crankiness out today because tomorrow we're starting and I want you to be an encouragement machine. I want you to stretch yourself. I want you to challenge yourself for the next 27 days to go the extra mile and make some extra mile moments. Now let me give you a little background behind this word encouragement, okay? It comes from this interesting Greek word, para. Kaleo, okay? Now, the word kaleo, we, we get the word call, okay? Para means alongside of, like 
parallel lines, okay? So, so here's what it means when you put those two words together. That when you encourage somebody, what you're doing is you're coming alongside of them and you are calling out the good that is in them. You're summoning the good. You're calling forth the good that you know is in them. That's what encouragement is. And even our own English word for encouragement, encourage. You're putting courage in somebody. You're depositing courage in them. Not discouraging, not taking out courage. You are encouraging. You are putting it in them. And I believe with my heart of hearts, friends, that our God is a God who makes encouragement deposits. He's all about encouragement. In fact, listen to what Scripture says about our Lord. 2 Thessalonians 2. Listen to this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, may the Son and the Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. May encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You know who else encourages us? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to his followers, do you know the name that he gave the Holy Spirit? He called him the paraclete. The one who comes alongside of us and is our advocate. You know what else encourages us? The scriptures encourage us. They were written to encourage us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Listen to this. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the Father and the Son provide eternal encouragement. The Holy Spirit himself is called the encourager by Jesus. We have the scriptures. The reason why they were written is so that as we read them, we're encouraged to continue enduring in this race called the Christian faith, the life after Christ. So do you think maybe, just maybe, heaven is all about encouragement? I think so. So, Consider with me this morning, if you would, how Jesus was an encourager. Let me point you to the man named Peter. You remember Peter? He was that disciple who had the foot-shaped mouth, right? Because he was always putting his foot in his mouth. He didn't weigh his words very carefully. He spoke rather rashly and abruptly, and after things got out of his mouth, he probably thought, man, I wish I could take that back. But Jesus loved Peter, and he saw something in Peter that, that he was going to come alongside of him, and he was going to call that out of Peter. And I want you to see how this takes place in Matthew 16. It says here, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And still others say, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now let me give you a little bit of background here, okay? The region of Caesarea Philippi in which this conversation takes place, it was like a melting pot of cultures, ethnicities, skin colors, and also religions. So there were various gods being worshipped in this city in which Jesus and his disciples found themselves. So Jesus poses a question to his most intimate friends. He says, hey guys, what's the word on the street about me? What are people saying about me? And there's all sorts of answers because there's no shortage of opinions about who Jesus is. And they keep shooting back, back. well, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah the prophet, or you're a new prophet. And then he says, okay, okay, that's what they say. But you guys who know me, and walk with me, and talk with me, and observe me, he asks them the question of all questions. Who do you say that I am? And old footmouth speaks up. And he says probably the most amazing words ever uttered from a human tongue when he says, you are the Christ, the long-awaited, promised, anointed one of God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Yes, you got it. I'm so proud of you. In our day and time, he might have said, give me a fist bump, right? Or maybe Jesus jumped up and chest bumped him. I don't know. It's hard picturing the Son of God doing that, but maybe he did. I don't know. But I could just see him wrapping his arms around Peter and squeezing him tight and saying, you got it. You got it. And I know, Peter, that, I know that you're known as Peter, son of Jonah, but listen, no longer is that title what you're going to go by. You know what you're going to go by? You're now going to go by Rocky. You're Rocky. Because that faith that you just demonstrated, it's strong, it's solid, it's immovable, it's like a rock. So I'm going to start calling you Rocky. You know what Jesus was doing with Peter? Coming alongside of him and calling out the good that was within Peter that he knew was in him. And Jesus was very, very intentional by building Peter up. I think we live in a world, folks, that is hungering and starving for encouragement. Would you agree with me? Because there's so much discouragement, so much bad news, so much wah, wah in the world, right? It's like the little boy who said to his dad, hey, dad, why don't we go play darts? And when I throw the darts, you can say, wonderful, right? Because everybody wants to hear Wonderful. And you and I have so many opportunities to bring out the Rocky in the Peters all around us. So let me give you some tips today of some things that you can do. And each week I'm going to give you uh, kind of some marching orders, some things that we're going to have for you to do. Some things we're going to do in church, some things we're going to do outside of these walls, okay? So let me encourage you right now to fill out some of these things about encouragement, just simple things that you can do that can really 
come alongside someone and bring out the good in them, okay? Number one is greet them kindly. Greet them kindly. This might sound so simple, but here's what you know and I know. In every gathering of people, every party, every office gathering around the water cooler, every group of people at school when you sit by the lunch table, there's two kinds of attitudes present, really only two kinds. Here's what they are. One attitude that says, I am so glad that you see me. Right? And the other attitude is the one that approaches the group and says, I am so glad to see you. So as you make your way about this week to groups or individuals, just pray to God, God, make me that second kind of person. Help me to summon up within myself a greeting where that person knows when I encounter them that they know I am so glad to see you. Jesus was very practical when he told his disciples, when you go door to door, when you knock on a door, Jesus said this, make sure you give a courteous greeting to whoever answers. So greet kindly. Here's another thing we can do, and this one's tough. Listen intently to people. And now listen intently to this story that I've got from Mark chapter 5. After Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. Listen to this. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged. My daughter is at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. And Jesus went with him, the whole crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. Uh-oh, here's somebody else that comes on the scene. A woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years. A long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before. She had heard about Jesus. So I want you to give us a little background on this woman, okay? This woman's desperation is driven more than just by her illness. See, she's been bleeding for a long time. And according to the Jewish law from Leviticus 15, if a woman is bleeding, she is considered to be ceremonially unclean until she stops bleeding. Well, this woman hasn't stopped bleeding in 12 years. And you know what that means under the law? It means nobody can come to your house because your house is unclean. Nobody can sit at your table because your table's unclean. It means you can't go to synagogue. You can't go to temple. It means you can't get married because a husband's not going to want to marry an unclean woman. And if you're not married, it means that you can't have kids, right? So, for 12 years, her loneliness has burdened her as much as her sickness She's a desperate woman. The story continues. She slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put just a finger, just a little on his robe, I can get well. The moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. She knew she had immediate healing. At that same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. 
he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said, what are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking who touched me? You've probably been touched by dozens of people. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, listen to this, stepped up in fear and trembling. Why was she in fear and trembling? Because she knew she was unclean. She knew she shouldn't touch anybody. And of all people you shouldn't touch, it's the visiting rabbi who everybody's come to see. He's hands off. But she knelt before him, listen to this, and gave him the whole story. How long do you think it had been before someone had listened this woman's whole story. Jesus took time to hear her story. City officials were pulling at him. The disciples were trying to hurry him. Jairus was anxious to get him to his house because his sick daughter, who's near death, was waiting for him. And yet Jesus' gaze, Jesus' attention was on this one woman. It wasn't enough for him to just give her his power. He knew that just as much she needed his attention. And listen how it goes. Jesus said to her, daughter. You know, that's the only place in scripture that Jesus uses that term for a woman. Daughter. You took a risk of faith. And now you're healed and whole. Live well. Live blessed. Be healed of your plague. See, it seems like Jesus wasn't just interested in healing her body. He wanted to heal a spirit that had been wounded for 12 years. Let me tell you something, folks. And I can't say that I've lived up to this, but I'm challenged more now. When you listen to somebody... Stop everything else you're doing. Mute the television. Close the laptop. Turn off your phone. Get away to another room that you can be in. Because when you lock eyes with another human being and they have your undivided attention, that is a rare, rare, rare gift in today's world where our attention is diverted by so many things. here's what I love about that. It's something anybody can do. You don't have to be trained to do it. You don't have to get an education or a certificate to be a good listener. You just have to care about the other person who wants to talk to you. And I'm excited to think about this week in your life and my life, the people who are going to be encouraged and they're going to be blessed because we put everything else aside and we say, yes. Let's talk. Last, praise them specifically. Be specific in your praise. Again, Hebrews 10.24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on in love and good deeds. He's saying, let's consider it. Let's contemplate it. Let's have some kind of premeditated encouragement that we go forward with, all right? Let me give you a little example of this. 
we started to do something new in our full staff meetings here at church uh, a couple months ago. I wish I would have initiated it years ago, but better late than never, right? And here's what it is. At every full staff meeting, there's one person there who's going to be the subject of encouragement and praise by the rest of the staff. We're going to have their favorite drink. We're going to have their favorite snack. We're going to have their favorite candy. They're waiting on them. And they never know who it is. I pick somebody. I send out emails to everybody else saying, hey, this month it's so-and-so's turn, so come. You know? And I'll tell so-and-so a lie and saying it's somebody else, but it's really going to be them, okay? Well, anyway, this last month we had somebody planned and we were all scheduled and we had our stuff written, the cards, the notes, and whatever. And at the last minute, uh, found out they weren't able to be at the meeting, so it's like, oh, shucks, you know. But then Taylor McFarland secretly emailed everybody else and said, hey, we're going to make Solomon the replacement one to encourage because this person can't be here. So I came the next day, unaware of what was happening. There was my favorite drink. There were my cheddar cheese combos. There were some candy bars, you know. And more important than those things, you know what there was? There was all these cards and letters just saying, thank you, we appreciate you, thank you for what you do for the church, thank you for what we do for us. And you know what these were doing? These were just calling out the good in me. And you know why it was so important to receive these from, from my co-laborers here at the church? Because I spend just as much time with these people as I do the rest of my family. They know my strengths, they know my weaknesses, they know where I can improve, and this is their way of saying, thank you for what you bring. We just want to come alongside of you and continue to call out the good. That's how easy it was. And I've read these cards and these letters a couple of different times. And they'll be framed in the foyer next week so you can read them as well, okay? <laughs> Parents, your kids are hungry for encouragement. They go to school every day, getting in the comparison game, getting in the peer pressure game. When they're at school, their performance is tracked by letters on paper. And if they can come home to a mom or dad who just says out of the blue for no reason some praise and encouragement, that'll go such a long way with them. Here's what I hope we can all be truthfully saying at the end of this series. And I don't want it to just end after four weeks. I want Bachelor Creek to be a ministry of encouragement. That outside of this place, in your offices, at your schools, in your neighborhoods, wherever you're at, that you embody the ministry of encouragement. Here's what I hope can be said about all of us, especially at the end of this, these four weeks. Listen to this, what Paul says in Acts 20, 20. I didn't skimp or trim in any way Every truth and encouragement that could have made a difference to you, you got. You know why Paul did that? Because he knows that encouragement makes a difference. So let's not be encouragement misers. 
holding things to ourselves that people deserve to hear and should hear. Let's bring, be encouragement bringers. Let's bring joy. Let's bring happiness. Let's be refreshers, just like the ice cream man. In fact, here's what I want you to do as well. On the bottom of your notes there in your bulletin, I think you'll see an email address called encouragement at bachelorcreek.com. That's a special email that we've set up simply for you to share your stories about how you've been encouraged, how you've encouraged others. It doesn't even have to be something coming up. It could be something in your past that was done. Stories that we can maybe share up here. And if you don't want your name to be used, just say that in your email. We won't use your name. We'll keep you anonymous. But we would love to hear your stories about how God is using you or how God has used others to encourage you. So send your encouragement stories to encouragement at bachelorcreek.com. Now, one last thing. Just like that ice cream man we saw in the very beginning, his whole job is to bring refreshment, to bring joy, to bring happiness. We wanted to send you off today in that kind of spirit to kick off this series. So outside the doors of this church, just to the left of the carport awning, is the Schwann's man today. And each of you, in the spirit of being a refresher, you get to take home your very own ice cream treat today, okay? And let that be a motivator for you to do, okay, all right. And Stan's picking up the bill. How about the, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> no, but really, we just want to say, hey, we want, you to, we want to do something for you to refresh you, to encourage you so that you can be encouraged to encourage others. All right, let's pray about this this morning, okay? Father, we want to thank you that you, through your son Jesus, you give us eternal encouragement that our life is going to go on forever in your kingdom, Lord. And that's encouraging to know in this world that's so broken that we have the hope of forever on the horizon. And we have the possibility and the ability and the opportunity here today, as long as it is called today, Lord, we have the opportunity to bring doses of encouragement to people around us, especially here in the body of Christ, Lord, because we know that following Jesus in a world that opposes Jesus can be hard. And if there's one place that the people of Jesus should be encouraged and be encouragers, it should be within these walls. And Lord, I pray today that if there's someone who needs encouragement in the form of prayer because they're disheartened, because they have little joy, because life's taken some turns that's just got them in a pit, I pray, Lord, that they'll make their way to the back porch today where, where we have people back there who are ready and willing and eager to pray over them and to encourage them through prayer. So, Father, if that person's here today, may they come back and may we come alongside of them and bring out the good in them through bringing their petitions to you, Lord. So thank you, Father that you're an encouraging God and you want your children to be encouragers in this world and teach us some new things, some great things on this journey as we seek to be like you when it comes to encouragement. We pray that all the things that are done will be done for your glory, for your fame, for your renown, so that you look good in the eyes of men. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.